How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hello, Salam. How are you? Hi, Salam. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm still so obsessed with your background. Like, Thank you. <laughs> I, I think I mentioned it last time. We met, I was like, oh man, it just looks so artistic and creative. And now I know that like you do so much art, so um, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It's very fitting. But yeah, anyway, sorry. How have you been? What's what's new with you? How are you? How was your day? I've just, I just came back from work, um, just working on so many different things, trying to get things like in order, you know, with the book and everything else. Yeah. My allergies are trying to kill me but it's okay <laughs> oh no I relate but medicine is good I also do the um it's kind of gross but the neti pot have you ever tried to that oh, yeah yeah definitely I I want to get into like the book and talk a lot more about that work and and also just the I feel like your book has or touches on a lot of things which are things I would want to touch on in a podcast anyway so it's just nice that like you put it into a book um but I know when, you know, I obviously know a little bit more about you, but just to anyone listening, can you give us a little, a little in- information and tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are? Um, yeah, I know it's probably like the worst question. I hate when people ask me to do stuff like that, but I'm up at you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, you have to, especially all of us in black scarves, but like we have to introduce ourselves a lot. <laughs> yes. But so I'm Marah Siam. I'm 23. I live in New Jersey. I'm Palestinian. Um, I went to college for English art and art history. I paint. I post like little videos on Instagram if you want to follow me, Marah um, underscore CM. And I recently finally published my book. And when did you start writing that book? I started writing the book two years ago, exactly. Literally like a day after Corona hit. <laughs> I was going to say, was it because of Corona that you wrote it? You know, so many people had to find ways to stay, you know, busy at home. And, and I don't know, I feel like writing a book would have been a good thing if you could do it. I think my family members like know me as the dramatic one. So when Corona hit, I like literally thought the world was going to end. And I figured if I don't write this book now, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. (laughs) And if the world ends and I didn't write this book, I'm going to be very mad. So I sat down and I just wrote every single day. And and how long is that writing process? Not, not, not like obviously to finish product, but just to have the storyline complete and then really just revising and editing. So, um, uh, like my teachers and my classmates in like college always called me like the worst English major ever because my writing process is like horrible but it works for me mm-hmm. so I don't outline I just have an idea and the first draft of the book was just pure free writing from like 10 o'clock at night to like 4 a.m because I really focus at night more than in the morning I'm not a morning person but um yeah I rewrote I wrote the whole story it made no sense it was horrible and the story was just all over the place, but there were things that I liked. And so the second draft, I focused on those. Still bad. You just keep going until you reach the draft that you like, and then you publish it. I mean, I don't have any, um, not only do I not have any history in writing, but I'm not a writer at all. So I, I think that's pretty cool um, yeah. to just have that. I, I mean, I, I imagine it takes a lot of discipline to continue because it's kind of, um, well, obviously you, you also create art, right? And I did see some of your videos and I think it's really cool. I know you like to talk a lot and create art at the same time, which is, it's, a, it's, a, it's nice as a viewer to experience that with you, but I sometimes have ideas and I start the process. And if something happens in the process, because sometimes it takes several days, um, I, I tend to lose the, the initial like ambition or motivation towards that piece. And it just sits there. And I have, you know, most my most recent work has mostly been digital. And I was looking at it the other day and I saw so much work that just was incomplete. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, some of the stuff, it, it, like I want to go back into it. And some of them, I just, you know, it's crazy that at one point I really wanted to do it. And then now I just don't see that, that same vision anymore. So I imagine it takes a lot of discipline because you're investing so much time 
into writing this story. Is this your first like kind of serious writing that you've done or have you published anything before? I, I've published like, you know, like small stuff, poetry, a lot of poetry and things mm -hmm. like that. But I've literally written like two books before this that this just like they just suck and creating art and creating and writing and things like that you have to be okay with like hating what you write and you have to be okay with failure until you like really put your foot down so like for this book it was like too personal for me to like let down but there were definitely like like a month here a month here where I just like couldn't write because I just needed to like have more conversations with myself be more honest with myself what I was writing and things like that and like when I write I can't read and I can't watch shows because it just like ruins whatever's going on in my head. So I was like pretty isolated, isolated from Corona, isolated from like things that I wanted to watch. And sometimes you just really have to do that. And you also have to be okay with writing things that you hate because I definitely didn't like the book while writing it. It caused me a lot of like, like I was really sad while writing it, made me really feel a lot of emotions that I wanna feel, think about a lot of things that I wanna think about. But sometimes you have to do that to create something you are proud of. I think that's the artistic process, right? Which is why when people create work, whether it's, you know, uh, the traditional sense of art, or at least I call it traditional sense, but you know, like paintings and drawings and stuff or creative writing, it's you're really getting to experience something with the artist, which I think is like the, in, the enjoyable part of, of, you know, viewing someone's work or reading someone's work. Um, and then too, when you have the opportunity to speak to, the person behind it and you learn more about it it's almost like you want to experience it all over again because now you have more context personal context to mm -hmm. that journey to creating which i think is also just really cool mm -hmm. and so um you said a lot of stuff which i found interesting about how essentially i, I wouldn't call it it caused you pain but it did cause you discomfort from what oh, it sounds pain. like pain is fine okay so pain is fine okay so it caused you pain but like how do you proceed or not you know take a step back to say okay this is like too much or did you have that type of boundary within yourself like if it was getting too much you you stepped away how does that work definitely when it was like really kind of like ruining my life for like a hot second because when you write something that's really heavy you already have in your mind the questions that people are going to ask you and you have to be okay with answering those and not answering questions that you don't want to answer mm -hmm. and so those is like those ideas is what really like gave me so much anxiety but I came to terms with it I buy a lot of stupid stuff to like make me happy you know little tiny like figurines I collect like little pusheen dolls like things like that mm -hmm. for some reason they they do like help me a lot and so I did a lot of that but also just being okay with feeling those feelings like I, I it was making me sad but that's also what a good book is because if I'm not crying while writing the scene that's hard how do I expect anybody else to cry or feel those feelings if I'm not and I'm the person writing it like you have to yeah. good art will always make you feel things even if you don't want to because if you don't feel anything when you look at a piece or when you read a book then it's not a good book and it's not a good painting and I really mm -hmm. held on to like that advice that I got from a lot of people in school really hard because I had to and it was like a weird form of like therapy like writing everything down even if you know it sucks gets your thoughts out in a way that you didn't even know you had so writing everything down that first draft sucked but the second draft was better and then it just kept getting better and that's what's rewarding do you I'll ask you this do you think people are entitled to know more about the process you know you mentioned that people might ask you about certain things that they read, which we haven't even talked about what the book is about. <laughs> we'll hold people in suspense for a bit, but do you think people are entitled to know that? I mean, how do you feel as an artist? Like, are you comfortable sharing more about that? Are you, do you keep some of that to yourself? I decided like midway through writing the book that I was going to be comfortable answering all the questions, even if I didn't want to, but that's me and that shouldn't be everybody else. And if you write a book that's equally as, personal or deep or hard to like talk about or and write then you don't need to and that's perfectly fine but I decided like I need to because I can't write something this personal and deep and not be personal and deep with the people asking me so I I made that decision myself yeah I mean that's powerful mm -hmm. I to me personally I think it's um like a case-by-case -case basis and some people want to share some people don't I think 
you can't be upset or offended when people ask questions because you're obviously putting something out there and people are going to want to react or be curious. But I, I still think that you can have some sort of boundary um, or timeline because maybe you're, you're not ready to share what it is. So to kind of talk or transition to talk more about the book, there was um, a quote I wanted to read from the author's note. And then I want you to talk about kind of why you said this, but also, you know, really leading into the storyline of the book, you know, what inspired you to write it, just everything else that comes along with um, your process and why you wrote this book. So it says, if my work can do one thing for the little girls who had to grow up sooner than expected, let it be the love and warmth they should have gotten at the time they needed it the most. So I thought that was like really powerful, especially because, I mean, you're 23, right? Yeah. I, I still find that pretty young and we're almost we're about nine years apart mm-hmm. and yeah that's a very that's a very strong thing to say and I know it's loaded there's a lot more to it so if you can talk a little bit about your author's note or specifically that part and then about the book so um I I always knew I was gonna write this author note because I really wanted people to go into the book with like all of these thoughts especially mm-hmm. like being a good person and like having empathy for the characters and them not being good people, but they are good people. And and then the last line, because like, I know I'm 23. I know obviously I have like a super long way to go, but those teen years form you in a way that you can never get back or change. And you're just kind of left with like regret all these feelings because it's such a weird age to be like 13 to 18 because you're not an adult, but you're an adult. And there's a lot of things that I think teenagers need that they didn't get, especially like little girls. And so I really wanted to like emphasize that that's who I wrote the book for, is for all those little girls and little boys, but the book mainly for little girls really, because that's what is important to me the most, like little girls and trying to to give them like the little bit of comfort that they missed out on. Because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that I missed out on. And I think I would have really loved the book if I was like 16. And that's really what my main goal and and who my audience is. So you feel like you, did you write this book for your younger self in a way? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what is the storyline? Sure. I mean, I, I know the storyline from um, our conversation. I guess like talk about that and also why you decided to write a book in a world today where a lot of uh, Muslim authors are writing about, you know, spirituality or like more positive books, children's books, etc you chose to talk about something that's a little bit heavier. So if you can talk to us a little bit about the storyline and then why you chose to write about something a little heavier. So the storyline is an interesting question because I, my writing style and like I've been told this by other people, it's very like conversational and just kind of like little moments in time. And so that's what the story is like overall premises, but it follows two girls, Roman and Hanuna in middle school and their experiences and their actions and their reactions to traumatic events like sexual assault, loss of a parent, their own faith, and their clashing identities while being Muslim, American, Arab girls in an Islamic school. But all of those clashing identities Mm -hmm. really are shifting their lives in ways that they can't comprehend at middle school. And them going through all that while also having, watching their personality flaws and their friendship with each other because they don't have the best friendship, but they are always there for each other to an extent. And just getting to know these two characters as people and hating parts of them and loving parts of them and just showing the humanity of people and abandoning the idea that Muslim characters can't be bad and so like that's what I really want what I wanted from this book because a lot of these books like a lot of Muslim books are still afraid of painting Muslims in a bad light and that's not what I do because everybody is a person and everybody has flaws and we do things that we regret and that's important. You Just because you're a Muslim doesn't mean you don't go through hardship or get mad and cry and all those things. Yeah. And so I, I needed to emphasize that because I, I was missing that and I wanted to read that. And so that's what I did. And it's just watching them through middle school and then you find them in adulthood later in the book and how their decisions and what they chose to do with their lives and how they chose to change uh, affected their lives in bad and good ways. And just watching their story and learning about yourself through it. So what inspired you to write that book? Does it in any way reference like personal experience or is it just completely 
out of your imagination? Um, there's definitely parts that are like 100% me, but the big, big parts of the book, like sexual assault and things like that, there's just so many instances that I watched growing up that I didn't like, not myself, but with other people and hearing all these stories of like Muslim people, girls and boys, and watching things that I didn't like and things that I didn't agree with. And so I wanted to highlight that for them and for all the people that I watched not get justice, not get what they deserved. Um, and just kind of give them a little bit of like reconciliation with themselves or with their communities or anything, just like a little bit for them. I don't. Were you able to create the kind of ending or storyline that you wanted to see played out in those experiences that you saw around you? Um, yeah, because- or did it reflect more of the reality in which there wasn't necessarily justice or you know obviously something like sexual assault is going to be completely unfortunately hidden in a lot of communities right like don't report it don't talk about it just pretend like it didn't happen um so is that something that you wanted to portray or not portray in way are we giving spoilers for the book <laughs> um no I don't think you should okay. but is there something you can well maybe maybe you don't have to spoil the book but let's let's I'll, I'll speak vaguely okay yeah if you can speak vaguely okay so okay so as context Hanuna is a very straightforward person mm -hmm. she's a lot more religious than Romana she's a little bit judgmental she has her flaws but overall she seems like a, the perfect kid from the outside Romana who is kind of like feistier she has more she's more opinions but at the same time she's extremely self-conscious and she lets a lot of things affect her when they shouldn't and she's still self-centered as self-conscious as she is she's self-centered and so um when they experience what they experience and witness and what happens to Romana basically in the book um is horrible and is not her fault but the book's premise is that bad things could happen to you but it's your problem to become a good person you are not what happened to you and you can't use it as a crutch. Mm -hmm. So have empathy for yourself, but hold yourself accountable because what happens to you, you're not, you don't deserve what happens to you, but what happens after, yes, like that's your life and that's on you. And that's kind of like what I wanted to portray through me adding sexual assault to the book because it shouldn't be hidden. And the, what happens in the book is what I wished happened to the people that I witnessed mm -hmm what they got through living their life and through the people around them and the adults that should have protected them. But at the same time, Romana does a lot of things that she shouldn't have done anyway. And you kind of have this like back and forth, but it's not a back and forth because you go back to the premise of the book, which is she didn't deserve what happened to her, but what happens to her life and the way she chooses to live it is her fault. Yeah, it's what you do after. Yeah. Um, someone, one of my favorite quotes or something that someone told me once was, um, when you experience trauma, like what happens to you is not your fault, but how you heal from it is your responsibility. Exactly. So, you know, get, you have empathy for yourself and definitely like take the time that it takes to figure out, you know, how do you reconcile what happened to you? How do you move forward? And that takes time. It's not an overnight, but at the end of the day, what you do when something happens to you or someone does something to you. And I do think sexual assault and, and that is like on the very extreme because that's just so heinous, but other things like just people lie or backstab you or talk, you know, um, behind your back, those types of things. Um, when you hold on to them, it really only affects you mostly. And at the end of the day, it's like your own life that's going to be impacted by how much you, you know, hold on to things that don't serve you rather than recognizing that moving on is probably the best thing and letting go of, whatever those things were do the people that you those experience that had those experiences do they know that this book was kind of related about it or like the people in your community um the community no I would say like like I didn't tell anybody that I was writing the book except my sister who's like also serves as my editor and my friend who um is a journalist so she's also very good at writing so those are the only two people that really watched me write the book I didn't tell anybody else but I, yeah, no, I, I definitely did like reach out to people and I let them know because 
it's not I I didn't steal anybody's story like I did not write anybody's story verbatim um like it's not specific in any way none of the book is specific even even the parts that are me like they'll never nobody will ever find out unless I tell them so the book truly is just like me imagining this these two lives because I'm not either of them and I've had that question multiple times like which one do you like more I don't want a hanuna and it's like I don't want to be either okay let me scratch that question off my list okay (laughs) but yeah like um their experiences and nothing in the book is based off a person they're based off people's experiences and the way I viewed them I mean that makes sense and again it's depending on how vague or how specific you were about certain things okay so I have a question for you because I you said something that sparked a conversation I've been having with people and it's still one that I go back and forth on and um, you talked about how a lot of authors or people don't portray Muslims in a more authentic way like of course we understand our values and and it's nice to have things that are positive out there to look at to be enlightened to be to feel positive Um, but the reality of it is is our community is just like everyone else's we have all the toxic traits that you can think of have you ever watched the show Rami I tried (laughs) okay well tried is an interesting word now I'm curious as to to why (laughs) you just tried it so the reason I bring Rami up is because I watched both seasons and I I'm I'm sort of conflicted by how I feel like obviously as as an entertainment um, show it was entertaining but as a Muslim I had to I did think some things were like went a little too far but really in that same kind of mindset that you have, I think that's what the show was trying to portray is maybe it's the extreme version to an extent, but I think that as uncomfortable as it made people feel, it's not like you didn't have people in your community that you knew were doing those things. So whether it was having sex or doing drugs, sexual assault, all of that stuff. But for me, there was so much more relatable content, obviously outside of those things that I didn't relate to. But for example, when he went overseas, um, and one of my, the scenes that really I just connected with so much was when he he got to Egypt and he met with his cousin. And the first, I think one of the first things he asks him is like, okay, like where's the masjid? Like, where's the mosque so I can go pray? And his cousin looks at him like, You're gonna go pray? Like, we're gonna go to the club. And yeah. it's that idea that our cousins or family or relatives back home think because we're American, we're we're just super open-minded and you know, do, you know, maybe do these things, or at least openly do these things, when we don't realize that they are trying to live the lifestyle that they don't have, which is more Western, and we're trying to also hold on to the lifestyle we don't have, which is like our deen and our culture and living in like a more Muslim community. So when we do go back, and that was my experience is, you know, I wanted to connect to my roots as much as possible when all my cousins wanted to do was, you know, reap all or not reap, but they wanted to get all of the Americanness out of me, my clothes, my music and all of the stuff. And that's like, not what I wanted to do. Anyways, my wrong to say that that's kind of what your mindset was. Cause that's what I thought of when you said that I thought of Rami, but you said you tried watching it. Obviously you didn't continue. Why? So I think, I, I don't think there's anything like explicitly wrong with Rami. I think it's his personal story. So nobody can like tell him right. that he can do that. Do I wish he could like change the execution a little bit? like um portray the characters like slightly different yes if, if I was like in that writing room it's not that I would scratch anything but for example like making the I, I think I remember her being I think she was black that like that character that female making her like the the only girl that's like super out there and like super sexual and all that stuff like maybe that's not you know where we should go mm-hmm. but overall it's a story and that's there's nothing wrong with that I just wish the, like the first show to be on HBO written by like a Muslim American person just to be written in a way that, you know, portrays all those things. But then there's like a resolution in the end. I think I just never felt like resolved while watching it. Well, well I would encourage you. I would love for you to, to actually finish it. I know sometimes it can be hard, especially if you see something that's already rubs you the wrong way. Because I feel like there is kind of, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but we can have this conversation after you, maybe you watch it. But again, it's, 
I think if you did watch it, I could, you know, extend this conversation. I have more to talk on that just because for me, the idea of, and I think this is what you're doing with the book, not sugarcoating the Muslim experience and the way that we think, um, mainly because we're so used to hiding all our traumas. We're used to hiding, you know, all the, the bad things. And, but like <laughs> everyone has, you know, flaws. Yeah. If, if every family has problems, everybody has skeletons in their closet, obviously some bigger than others, but like no one's perfect. And I mm -hmm. think we need to stop portraying, you know, our Muslim communities or, you know, whatever Muslim lifestyle or experience is being perfect. It's just like everyone else's. So I think that that's great that you did that. And it just kind of reminded me of I think what he was trying to do or is doing with his show. Yeah, no, I, I still like agree with him making it. And, like I would love to like, I don't know, work with him one day or something like that. Cause he is like from my community actually. Oh, is like, he? Yeah. Like he literally grew up like 20 minutes away from me. Oh, so like he could have crossed paths if I was like older, but I, you know what it is? I, I, I know like what the ending is and all that stuff. I just wish it was more prominent. Cause I think what was like more advertised, which might not be his fault, could be HBO's fault was like the shock factor and all that stuff and I just yeah. don't think you could I don't like the like sacrificing the story for a commercial mm -hmm. I think that's what like annoyed me a little bit because I think his story is like amazing and like good for you that's awesome like I'm so proud of him as like somebody who's like you know a couple of people removed from him mm -hmm. and I think that yeah I think that's really what it what it was for me because I am like I have that same idea but I made the, like the resolution like large enough I think that made me comfortable with saying all the things that I wanted to say. So like, I, they're in Islamic school and the Islamic school, like, you know, not a spoiler, but it sucks because I went to like a super sucky Islamic school, but I don't bash Islamic schools because I went to a different one and I loved it and I absolutely loved it. And it changed mm. so much in my life. And so like, that's really like, I, I kept going back to that a lot in the book because it's never Islam, it's always people. And that's like the core part of my story is that these are people, these are not communities, these are not religious leaders in any way, they're children at some point, you know, in the book. Yeah. And I, I make sure to like emphasize that as much as I can. <laughs> I mean, Islam is a theology, it's, it's, and people are the makers or breakers of, you know, our belief system, right? Like Muslims, mm. Islam is perfect, Muslims yeah. are not. So it's, it's one of those things where it's just really hard because obviously people want to generalize. We want to even generalize sometimes, um, but you can't. And for people who struggle with the deen or like with their, with their religion or spirituality, I think they do have issues with reconciling that it's not the deen, it's people because they might've grown up in a house that, you know, their parents were so strict and they used religion against them in ways that traumatized them. Or a community that, you know, used Dean to, in a way that maybe oppressed them. And so, yeah, like they don't know any better and that's how they see it. And so, again, back to your point, it's what happens to you is not your fault, but how you move forward and how you heal from it, that is your responsibility because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that is your life. Um, so there, there's a few things that you talk about in the book, like we said, some hard hitting stuff. Um, what are just some things that maybe aren't as serious, but that you thought were important to highlight, especially when, when looking at the experience of a Muslim girl, you, you kind of really do have obviously these two contrasting characters. Um, and I love that you made them friends because I feel like to an extent we all can relate to at some point in our lives. I know I can, I'm sure maybe you have as well, having a friend who maybe at one point you were aligned and then you get, grow older and one just starts, you know acting some way or maybe you're the one that starts acting some way and, and then they become you know either more religious or they're too good or whatever it is so what are some of the other things that you wanted to highlight in your book about the Muslim or the young Muslim girl experience I definitely wanted to highlight things like hijab which is uh it's not really like the biggest part of the book but it's it's pretty there because I love hijab and mm -hmm. I just like I'm really um it kind of like makes me like a little bit sad that like a lot of people are taking it off and the connection that I saw growing up is kind of like dwindling in the connections that are in the generations that are coming up now. And I do think part of that is that nobody is taught Islam with like compassion as much as I would like. Um, growing up, like hijab for me was just modesty. 
you need to cover up in front of guys that are not related to you and kind of like the bullet points without mm -hmm. everything in between and that's I really wanted to highlight that with um, Hanuna because she's trying you know to be hijabi and Ramana at some point was but you know it's it's such a it's a very nuanced conversation that a lot of people just gloss over and why are so many people taking it off like let's have a conversation with these with you know all the girls that are taking it off why just demonize them completely like we don't know what's going on in their lives and we don't even know if they were taught what hijab truly is in it's like purest form anyway you know like i know i didn't growing up like i i had to that like 16 but that was when my sister explained it to me now my semi-studies teacher and i think i wanted to like make sure i have that in the book because i definitely would have never tajab if i didn't get like a talk that was convincing enough to my heart instead of like my brain of like you should cover up because mm -hmm. you know you're safe from one two three four five that's not really convincing when you live in a country or when you live in an area that isn't like that unsafe <laughs> dreaming of a better sleep tossing and turning is not your destiny and Ali is here to help. Ali invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ali's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ali.com. That's O L L Y.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Yeah. You know, Marah, you talk about the, the talking to girls who take it off. I always thought that that was so important. And I know it's a sensitive topic. Like I wouldn't just approach someone and ask them why it's not my business. I especially wouldn't do it in public or I should oh. say on a public platform. Like we see happens. I've seen, I would say probably in the last two to three years, the most amount of girls on social media take off their hijab because it's just kind of in your face. And when they do it gets a lot of attention. There's so many comments. Um, I would say mixed between good and bad. I would say just as many people who have something negative to say, there's people that would say something positive. But I am curious to know why. And it's it's not from a judgmental point of view. I do not judge a girl or a woman who takes to, chooses to take off her hijab or not to wear it at all. But I, yeah, I do want to know because there's there's something happening. And maybe there's something we could do to help support you know, women, I'm not saying to support them necessarily to put it back on. Of course, like, why wouldn't we want that for our sisters? Mm. If you care about them. Um, but also just to know that we've all had such different experiences. Like you, you can probably say that you chose to wear the hijab, that you had the, the intention and you were given the space and it was a choice. That's not really the, the story for a lot of girls, unfortunately. Yeah. And so it worries me that when you you come from an experience in which you had no choice and you were forced to wear or was it, were expected to wear it and then people are attacking you when you finally make that choice which isn't an easy choice i don't understand how people think that that's that that's an easy choice especially to do it on you know in front of the world mm -hmm. um to then like attack them i feel like that that's that's scary because imagine your one comment or judgment is the one thing that tips over this person to just furthering themselves from the deem. And imagine that's something that you are going to have to respond to on the day of judgment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to say like, was that comment necessary or whatever it was that you said that the judgment towards someone that was struggling, um, anyone who is Muslim takes off their hijab, obviously still Muslim is struggling. That is a, that's a sign. I don't think anyone ever says that they don't. So I think that that was really important. And I wish that we, it's a sensitive topic. So I, I hope that when I say that, I don't come off as like, you know, um, entitled or something just because I'm a hijabi who's like comfortable wearing my hijab and I love it. That's why like I made sure in the book, like as a writer, I don't write characters that I didn't at least somewhat live in their experience. That's why like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wish I could add more like ethnicities and different types of Muslims but I'm not there yet to write that. And that's why like, 
I made them American Palestinian Muslim girls. And then talking from talking about hijab from that experience in America, coming to Islamic school and things like that. Like it's a very specific, you know, like it's a very specific conversation that I'm having within the book. And that's why, like, you know, of course, like to read, if anybody reads into the book that like I'm not talking about like the girls that are forced, it's like it's not even in the book because I can't write from that experience and I will not because that's yeah. like that's not. You have to write from, yeah, you have to write from what you know and you can, and also I think a reader would be able to enjoy a book and like, you can just tell if someone is writing from a place of experience or at least deep knowledge of something than just writing out of, you know, their butt and just (laughs) making stuff up. uh, up. So I think that that's um, important. So what about the friendship? Because I think that that's really important. Navigating your friendship, you know, when you're young, your friends mean a lot to you because that's like your people, right? And it's honestly, when especially at the age that them two are in the book, that's when you really start feeling like you can trust people and you have closeness in, closeness to you that's outside of your family. That's really when you first start to experiencing it, right? Like mm-hmm. middle school, um, trust. You also can might experience betrayal and jealousy and all of those things. So I almost want to say, why did you create such contrasting characters? Was that important to you? Like, how was it writing that, you know, the differences between the two? I think my favorite, like, thing to read is, like, female friendships. I love female friendships and, like, reading them and, like, dissecting them because that's, like, fun. Because I have a lot of friends and, like, I still have friends that I made in middle school. And, but I didn't want to write, like, two cool girls because that's not really fun because I, like, was bullied, like, so heavily in, like, middle school and even before that. So I like the like the two outcast characters because Romana is like pretty enough to be a popular girl, but she's not cool enough. So she's not in that group. And Hanun is just like not really cool and people don't really approach her that much. And so they're kind of like forced to be friends. And just seeing that relationship, I think is like super interesting because they do become family. Because spending time with anybody for a long period of time, even if you, you don't like them, I like firmly believe that you fall in love with people over time whether you want to or not and so their friendship is like an interesting like tether game of do we actually like each other but I do love you but I really wouldn't be your friend if I had another choice so I just really like that dynamic because that happens in family too if your sister wasn't your sister would you really like her it's interesting to think about (laughs) I'm not gonna answer that because my sister's probably gonna (laughs) listen I'm just kidding I love my sisters but you're right I mean even within sisters or family relationships you have contrasting like um personalities and lifestyles and I think the hardest part of navigating that and at a young age it's very difficult because I don't think you're mature enough to understand like personal choice Mm. is understanding that even though you might feel some certain way, like obviously you live your life a certain, like you as Mara live your life as a certain way because you believe that that's the right way, right? I'm going to wear the hijab because I feel like that's what's needed to be done or what I feel like is right. You, you know, I don't know, maybe you give someone on the street money because you feel like that's right. You might help someone, whatever. You're picking and choosing how you live your day to day. Now, as much as you think that that is, you know, right, you cannot, force or enforce that on other people or have that expectation and that's that's a difficult thing yeah that's literally Hanuna's entire problem is that she thinks she's living the way life should be lived but she's also not being fulfilled by it but she's still so stubborn I relate to her so much a lot of people yeah (laughs) I've always been like the really you know quiet goody two-shoe like never upset my parents type of you know kid growing up and I will say that there was two, I mean, there's a lot of things that I think made me very timid and, and, and I think I was also fearful. So like I lived very straight path. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if someone wasn't, I like was having anxiety for them and I almost wanted to just be like, I don't get it. Like, how do you not see that this is bad for you? I um, was like both, literally both. Like I was so afraid at the of same me. time or like you yeah. uh, like growing up I I always had the struggle of like I need to like not be doing what I'm doing and I have a lot of regrets from like my teen years and early college and things like that but it was always like this other voice like just live like it's fine like you'll survive the little angel and devil on your shoulder exactly and like I 
I really struggled with that a lot. Yeah. And I feel I like reconciled that within myself. I like wasn't content in my life. And now I am, but you know, yeah. growing up, yeah, like that's it's really hard to live one way and break it as you grow up. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think if you're more like Hanuna, which I am, it is so exhausting to worry about other people and what they're doing when they're not even that worried about themselves. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like some things are just not that serious to them. And like you, I'm a very type A personality. So I very much, you know, think of every wrong thing that could happen, which is, I think, why growing up as a kid, I was just so scared of messing up. Like if I even wanted to do something is like lie to my parents and instead of saying I was in an after school program, I went and played basketball with my friends or something. I would just sit there and think this is I'm going to go do that and then I'm going to get her and then they're going to have to come get me and they're going to find out and they're going to th- say what are you doing playing you know basketball you were supposed to like my mind will go down that path and so immediately I know I'm not going to do that and but that's not also right and of course like there's a lot to say to my parents for maybe being too strict on me at such a young age but I didn't know that that was super unhealthy so it's it's why I think your characters being as young as they are it must be so hard to navigate a friendship and I'm sure you obviously you talk about that when they're so different mm-hmm. yeah like I, I I really enjoyed I think the thing I, I enjoyed most writing the book was this like the moments between them just trying to be honest with each other because it's so hard when you are looking into the other person that's the complete opposite of you mm-hmm. but you love them but you yeah. really want them out of your life at the same time mm-hmm. and those scenes really made me like really sad and really happy for them because I've definitely felt like that a lot. And I felt like both of them a lot of my life because I used to go out and not tell my mom where I'm going. And then my car would break down and she would actually have to come. Like that's actually happened to me. That was my fear. That's why I never yeah, did it. I, I would have the fear, still do it and then have the yeah. fear come through. And mm. that those moments like shift me a lot, definitely. I've gotten yeah. like reprimanded. My parents <laughs> are like super like nonchalant. Like if I never touched it, it would have been fine. Yeah. If I chose to live a different way, it would have been fine. It was mainly like my sisters, like raising me, like my parents yeah. are old. So I kind of and, fell on them. <laughs> and part of growing up too, is realizing that some of, obviously some of the things they were just maybe irrational and they were strict, but a lot of it was just fear. Like they just want to know that you're going to be okay. And they want to know where you were. And I realized now, obviously as an adult, that it was really not safe for me if I ever said I was doing one thing and and or I was going to do one thing and do another because if I'm not exactly where they think I am if something was to happen to me how would they know to get to me and again I grew up when I was in middle school there was no such thing as cell phones there was no you know here's my location there's no text me when you're done I don't know how we just played it by ear but um so again it's it's part of like the growing pains I guess so I wanted to ask then when we're talking about obviously these two different characters what advice would you give which is interesting because when I was thinking of this question and when I was thinking of them I didn't know that you have a little bit of both of them in you so I think this is even going to be better but um what advice would you give to the Hanunas of the world the little girls that are more like Hanuna and what would you give advice to um the girls that are you know more like um Romana is it Romana like Romana, like, like, like pomegranate. Okay, Romana, like yeah. Straight up pomegranate. I love it. I love it. I was gonna keep those names for my kids, but then I ended up using them for my characters, and so I can't. There's <laughs> <laughs> text, but mm-hmm. um, I I um, needed a lot of rough advice growing up, and mm-hmm. so I think rough advice is good in moments. And like because I'm not talking to anybody directly, I'll just say like the rough advice that I got that shaped me as a person. So for Hanuna, it's definitely like you need to sit down with yourself and get to know yourself because you think that you know yourself and you know you're always in your own head but do you actually do you actually believe what you're saying are you doing things because you think that they're good or that they're good for you and you need to really figure mm-hmm. those things out before you become an adult because that's going to come back and really give you the biggest mental breakdown that you'll ever want in college so don't do that. Figure yourself, like figure your life out while you're young, or at least your personality, maybe not your life, because that nobody has figured out, but your personality definitely. And 
like lose the judgment you know you think you're doing your best but the people around you are also doing their best nobody's slicing off genuinely like people are genuinely trying their best and you need to give credit where that's due and for Ramona it's definitely a little bit of the same thing of you need to hold yourself accountable and when you know deep down in your heart that you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing that isn't good for you giving yourself excuses is just hurting you no one cares literally no one cares if you die tomorrow in 50 years no one's gonna care and so your life is your life and if you want to look back when you're 90 and be proud of yourself then when you're 15 that matters and i think like my life was really shaped by that advice because you're so used to living just day by day doing whatever you want figuring out tomorrow's problems tomorrow but that that doesn't help and you're not going to get anywhere with that so really look yourself in the mirror and if the person staring back at you is proud then you're good but if you can't look at yourself in the mirror then you need to yeah Mm -hmm. and those are words that take time to oh yeah um put into action or you know because years <laughs> years literally and I think the whole point is is that you the first step is recognizing it and then just taking your time and I just hope and wish that every girl out there that is of that age you know that really impressionable you know mm-hmm. delicate age of like you know you're trans you're in between you know a kid and a woman you're a teenager you're experiencing a lot your body's changing your life is changing the per- perception of you um, from other people is changing that it's just acknowledging it as the first step. And I hope that everyone, I really hope that everyone has someone that they can talk to, um, an older sister, um, their mother, or someone in their community that can be that for them. When I, I started this um, like mentorship program years ago, so I finished grad school, I was struggling for two years to find a job. It was a very depressing time in my life. And so one of the things I did is I, um, I started this mentorship program and it was for Muslim female youth and it was like so much fun. And I really loved working with the younger girls. Um, I myself had two nieces at that time. I still obviously do, but they're like 17, almost turning 18 now. And I'm happy that I was there for them, but it's unfortunate that there's a lot of girls who don't have that type of presence. Mm -hmm. Someone who is not only Muslim and you know Muslim American and can share that experience um but someone who's going to understand their struggles and isn't going to judge them for it you know I feel like I couldn't have I was never able to open up to my mom about things because I felt like she would be judgmental because she didn't know any better like she didn't grow up here she didn't go to the school here she she used to tell me not to sit next to boys in class and to tell my teacher I'm not allowed to sit next to a boy because I'm Muslim she didn't know that it wasn't that deep so obviously it's not her fault but you know, I had sisters and they understood because they went to school and they, so I'd go to them and not necessarily, you know, my mom. So I hope that they have that type of person in their life. Yeah. I mean, I had sisters and I still didn't say anything. Like I, I like in second grade, I was in Palestine and I have a scar to this day. I'm 23 of me getting like, <laughs> like oh, no way. At school. but I didn't say anything. So like, uh, you know, the second part of that is you think a lot of the time, some people think that they don't have anybody, but sometimes you do. If you don't reach out, you'll never know. If you don't try to talk to people, you'll never know what they're going to say. And you can't predict that. So try to open up because I, I talk about a lot in the book too, like thinking that you don't have people when you do mm-hmm. and having parents that don't understand, but you've never tried either. You know, like I, my relationship with my mom right now is like amazing because I finally put my foot forward and try and really build that relationship myself. Yeah. So, you know, that's also like another, that's like the second half of that advice. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is important. Um, someone out there is going to help mm-hmm. and can be of help. You just have to ask, like you said, cause I'll, or else you won't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now to the questions that I implemented a while ago and it's honestly probably something I look forward to at every podcast because I just love getting the perspective of different people um obviously I the type of woman that I get you know the um the pleasure of like speaking to are very diverse and so I think you're one of the younger ones 
if not youngest ones. So <laughs> um, it's interesting to maybe see how, how different you, you would answer some of these questions. And I don't have my notebook in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I have them memorized. So the first one is what is your favorite um, piece of advice you've ever received? And I think you might've mentioned it, but if you can pick something else or something that you'd like to share. I think the only thing that truly like calms like my nerves when I need to be calm is like, nobody cares. No one cares what you're wearing. Yeah. Nobody is going to remember what you, what you want to say or what you posted or anything like that. You are blocking yourself for being honest and you will not get anywhere in life if you're not honest. Dress the way you want to dress, do the things you want to do, obviously in like a, like a proper mature way, but live your life the way, you know, the way you want your life to be lived. Like, look at my room. Like, you know, like just, you're going to be like fine. your own sanctuary. Exactly. And everybody should have that. Don't be afraid to ruin yeah. you know, your metaphorical walls. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, next thing is uh, what's your favorite quote? And it could be from a book, a movie, just something someone told you. What would you say your favorite quote is? I have it somewhere on my walls. I'm going to find it. Um, I, I read like books that like only I like really, really like. But I don't know the quotes that I usually think of right off the bat is like a Banksy quote so like he has a quote of like um how does it go it goes like um don't fit into the box collapse the box and then like stab it or something mm -hmm. along those lines and I really like that and like Banksy is like controversial these days and I don't know he's always like inspired me his work his you know thoughts and things like that and also my dad's like he my dad says this line a lot he goes um uh, do your best and leave to God the rest. Mm. And like, I always have that in like the back of my mind from my dad. So I think that's my favorite quote. I really like that. And it's such a, it's such a comforting mm. quote, especially if you, you know, are stressed about how much you can do towards something that is on your mind. So I love that. Um, what is your, like, what is your favorite book that you've read? And it can be the book you wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely love my book. Um, have I read it in full myself? No, because I think I like when I mean, you wrote it. <laughs> I did, but I never actually read it like in full sitting down. I see. Okay. I, feel like I can't like it's too much. Like it'll like ruin my day somehow because it's like I want to go and like rewrite or something like that. But I think her book is um, Haruki Murakami's After Dark. I literally can't remember a quote, but it's such a weird book. And I just remember it being like the shift in my own life of like, okay, I want to write because this is so weird. Everybody that I know hates the book. My sister absolutely hates it, but it's the whole book is one night and it's just like the weirdest experience ever. But I love that feeling. And I like, I reread re that book a lot. So that's my favorite book. What about like shows? Are you watching any shows, any movies nowadays? Okay. Mm, I don't even know if I want to say this, but I love K-dramas. So if anybody watches Oh my God, I love K-dramas. Okay, yeah. What's your favorite? oh that's so hard because my sister is like really into it she's the one who got me into it so I've watched a handful and I mm. love them I just don't have sometimes the time but which one's your favorite I think my favorite at the moment at least is Our Beloved Summer because it reminds me of like my book a lot because it's like there's no real climax but it's just their story and you're just watching them and I love it yeah so, so I started watching it I haven't finished it my that's favorite so is probably it's it's between Crash Landing on You and hometown cha-cha-cha have you done yes. yes I love that show. it was like the most it was just so um wholesome like mm -hmm. it just made me feel good like whenever I watched it, it just, I just looked forward to like Sundays just chilling at home eating watching hometown cha-cha-cha I that show was just oh man it was I mean, it's like just like a raw story and those are the stories I love like the most and I like really wanted to do that in my book of like there's no gigantic climax it's just people yeah but also I'm really into that kind of um you know romantic trope of oh yeah you, know, you you start kind of not liking each other it very okay so my favorite movie of all time and book is Pride and Prejudice and uh, that's very much the storyline right like they hate each other and then they fall in love and end up together <laughs> so um that's why I think I also like well both actually both both um shows mm -hmm. kind of fall yeah. in that same type of storyline so I just love them it's um, I want to watch the business plan I don't know if you've seen it but I heard it's good yes. watch it watch it 
Okay. Like it's like oh so OG K drama like writing that it's just like fun to watch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have it on my list. My sister and I were one, at once upon a time sharing the same like profile on Netflix because we were using my brothers. And then so like all the shows were just K dramas because that's what she would watch. So I was kind of forced into it. And then now I have Netflix and she's on mine. So we have two different profiles. And it's now I have like, I'm very much um, documentary. It's either documentaries, documentaries, um, reality TV. I love trash reality TV. It's horrible. K dramas or like thrillers and stuff like that. I, and I also love stand up. I'm exactly the same except thrillers like it's so that's what I'm saying like it's so funny uh like writing the book was so painful because I refuse to like consume media that like stresses me out like k-drama is like just the threshold if I can't watch scary things can't watch thrillers can't watch like American tv because it's just too much anxiety <laughs> for me I can't do it and like yeah like it's so funny like I'm I'm like a split person yeah, I'm not gonna lie. If I am, ha- if I'm, if I'm going through it, I cannot watch a psychological thriller or anything that has to do with a lot because it does. I, especially before I sleep, it really messes up like my dreams, my sleep. But if I'm doing okay, then I'm all for it. I just love, I love the the the, the twisting plots and the mind games. Like oh. I don't know, I'm a sucker for even, it. Even at my best, I refuse. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. It like greatly affects me. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be too much. Um, and then what's your favorite self-care practice and or item? So it's either something that you do to take care of yourself when you feel like you need a little, you know, R&R um, or TLC. And then, or is it like something that like, you know, people can buy or that you use? Uh, my friends like think I'm like OCD. I don't think I'm OCD because I'm, I'm like a weird type. I'm like messy OCD, I guess. So I like I love my room. It's like extremely meticulous, but like nothing on the wall is straight. That yeah. comforts me. I collect like, you know, right here, the little pushing. I have like 20. Oh, I see them. Okay. It's just like a cat. I have them everywhere. Um, just stupid things that like make me happy, like little tiny knickknacks. Like I really enjoy like my wall, my ceiling has umbrellas. Oh my god, that's so it. cute. And like everything I collect. So like I'm not a hoarder because my drawers are empty, but my walls are filled. And um, I have like a really intense like bed routine. So I sleep with like five blankets, but they're all different and they all have like <laughs> purposes. <laughs> and like, yeah, and like you just sleep in them? Yes. <laughs> all five? Yeah, because they're not like that heavy. Like I just, I'm, oh, like, I see. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I, I perfected my routine of like mm. maximum comfort and maximum like head empty, no thoughts. Yeah. And everybody needs that because you don't know what calms you down like all the way then like how could you be comfortable at night like definitely I am a firm believer of you know making your space Mm -hmm. your sanctuary like I and my parents probably think I'm so strange because I will go through I would say at the very minimum once a year but probably more where not only do I rearrange stuff in my room but I will get rid of furniture and buy different furniture and during COVID, I completely turned my room into like a workspace um, because I was working from home, but it was kind of exciting to like have a workspace. And then I absolutely despised it. I hated having my office in my room. Yes. And then I got rid of it and I got more of like a seating area and like a little side table. Like I wanted it to be almost like my own living room area and space. And thankfully I have a, a room that's big enough to have all of this stuff. I like, I put together this little like little oh, shelves and it was just, you know, I, I, I live at home with my parents and like, you know, the house was decorated or whatever, however they like it, but I, I I don't have complete control and I can't sit in really in any of the other spaces and feel like it's my own, Mm -hmm. except when I walk into my room and I'm very much like you, like my bed has to look a specific way. I make my bed every morning. I have like my oil diffuser, like before I go to sleep and when I wake up, the first thing I do is turn that on and like open the window. Like I have a routine and I myself would probably say I have a little bit of like um, an obsessive personality, not too much, but like I don't like clutter and I like I like structure to things. And that is self-care to me because I know that, you know, it feels good for me exactly. and it makes me happy. So exactly. Like I'm extremely obsessive over my room and my things, but in like my own weird structure. Like if anything, yeah, my that makes sense to you. I don't know. Yeah, like I like I don't I don't I refuse to do work where I sleep. 
So my office downstairs, I have like a pink keyboard with my desktop and all my, like my pink mouse and like all my knickknacks and yeah, like extremely the way I want it to be, but nothing is organized at the same time. <laughs> That's really like my style. Okay. And then the last question is what, what advice would you give to your younger self, younger Marah? Hmm. maybe yeah. Hanuna and, and Romana's age you specifically what would what would you say and again you don't have to add anything personal it could be a vague thing but only you know what that means and what it would have meant to a younger you know a younger you um I think I was like super emo as a kid mm-hmm. and I thought that like I could not talk to my sisters and I couldn't talk to anybody and I really like isolated myself a lot and I was really like like I think my most depressed years were definitely like middle school early high school and then I like grew up but just like you know the people that love you that are saying that they love you are not lying (laughs) talk to them it's gonna be okay like let people know what's going on you're gonna be fine stop listening to like super heavy emo music and keep working on your writing and art (laughs) I love that don't go into accounting because I did accounting for two years because I didn't like believe in myself. Um, yeah. Oh, don't listen to your teachers. That's a good one. And everybody else. If your teacher's saying Wait, something. Why? Like, why not listen to your teachers? That's an interesting. If you don't like poem, don't. Writing is a career. You know. You oh, know, yeah, of course. They'll tell and you. A like, lot of teachers are wrong. They don't know you. Like as much as your teachers think that they know you, they don't. So you don't have to like internalize everything they say about you. Yeah. Unless you have like a really strong relationship with that teacher and they've had an yeah, impact and. Yeah, yeah, but in general, yeah, I agree because they don't know and they don't know your trajectory. Um, I hope that you are slash become a mentor for young girls. I mean, you're kind of doing it with your book, but I think it's so important for them to have someone closer to their age who can be so honest about their own experiences and, you know, give this kind of insight. So you should do more than just writing a book. I don't know, start a podcast or something. <laughs> and honestly, like tailor it towards younger girls. Like obviously I could do that. And I, I'm having my, um, my niece who's 17 on in a couple of weeks. And I'm excited to have her on because it's such a young, young, fresh perspective, like straight up. Cause I think, are you like cusp millennial Gen Z? Yeah. I think I'm like 99. It's like right there. Yeah. So she's like, you no know, straight Gen Z, like 2000, born in the 2000s. And, um, you know, I think it's just going to be an interesting episode, but I I would love to um, have more relatable stuff for younger girls. But I do think that a lot of my content is a bit mature for like a 14, 15 year old to listen to. So having something that can help those 14, 15 year olds who spend so much time on like TikTok and stuff like that. um, I think that would be so so oh, yeah. that's why I'm trying to like post those videos like I don't want to post those videos I don't want to make them but it's like the only way I can like reach the audience that I'm trying to reach. yeah like, I really want to do that definitely because like I and maybe that's the medium that. right because yeah. most of these girls aren't going to Spotify I mean if they are they're listening to music <laughs> but they are on TikTok and on reels you know watching these quick videos mm-hmm. getting some funny story or insight into something um so I think, yeah, keep doing it. Then they, Thanks. they need, they, you know, they need that the same way that your age range needs the older, you know, mm-hmm. girls in their later twenties, early thirties, we're all just like passing down, you know, our knowledge to the best. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely want to do that. Cause I wrote them for, I wrote this book for them. And so I have to give back. Like I love like young girls, like they're so, so they're full of so much potential. And I just wish I could like push them a little bit farther. Yeah. And a lot of them do need that mentorship a lot. As much as we feel like, oh, you know, we've grown out of that, like, well, maybe we haven't grown out of it, but like that, you know, children of immigrants type of mentality or whatever, it still exists. There's still so many immigrants coming in, a lot of Muslims from overseas, um, a lot of Muslims who are born into either revert families or they themselves are revert at such a young age. But those girls too need mentors. Of course. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. No, I'm going to try it. Like I'm going back to my old high school, that the one that I like, not the one that I don't, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I definitely like want yeah. to like do something. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you have my support, so that's amazing. Um, okay. So tell us where people can find your book, um, where they can find you online. I love the cover. 
it's kind of an interesting story behind the work, or at least I think it is from what I saw in yeah. your video. You can find out, I guess, the behind the scenes of the cover on my Instagram, which yes. is Mara underscore Siam, M-A-R-A-H-S-I-Y-A-M. And you can buy the book off my website, marahsiam.com, or from Amazon if you just search some people don't deserve names. Um, if you want me to like, I don't know, have any questions or anything, you can always DM me. Like, I'm, I'm cool. Yes. I'm not scary. I will give you advice. I don't gatekeep. So, and we I love that everybody. because I'm the same way. And, and, and yes. So that's yes. amazing. Um, also, I will have that information in the show notes. So like when people, when you're listening to this, if you just go swipe up or whatever, I don't know, it depends yeah. on what app you're on, but I'll have the links. I'll have the link to your website, to your Instagram, to wherever else they can buy it. Um, and yeah, thank you again. Um, honestly, this has been so, so enjoyable. I know this is so much fun. Thank you so much for like making me feel so comfortable. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. And thank you for reaching out and, um, you know, connecting. And I'm, you know, it's been obviously a pleasure getting to know more about you, your personality and how you are and like, you know, learning about the artists behind the art, I guess you could say. So that's been very enjoyable. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me a platform to even come on because without people like you, then we would all just be like random yeah. people on Instagram. We need this. Yeah. So part of people that do work like me yeah alhamdulillah we we met for a reason i really do believe that by the way i feel like people really do meet for a reason what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at u.s customs and border protection we go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore air to ground Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.